Flying Bull Productions presents Laugh, Literature, and Film. Alright, it's the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> the Laugh Podcast. I'm one of the multiple co-hosts here today, the L-Train. Good to see you, sir. With me are uh, Mr. Two Frames Bull. How are you? Pleasure as always to be here. And uh, this is our special co-host for this Ooh. event, Mr. Kyle Koala Lumsden. How are you, sir? <laughs> is that the sound of koala? Man? That's the sound the male koala makes when it is in a fight over a female koala. Ooh, I never knew koala sounded like Godzilla. Well, they could. <laughs> they they could actually defeat Godzilla if they were giant koalas. <laughs> Giant. Could they be don't, like they don't get above 20 pounds. This was news to me. Really? Yeah, I thought they were big lumbering beasts. But they're hmm. not. I mean, they are lumbering beasts, but they're not big. Are they among the larger of the marsupial class? Know. How big is a kangaroo? Because it seems like kangaroos get bigger than that. I kangaroos were hundreds of pounds, too. Kangaroos are human size. Yeah. Huh. We used to box them. Right. And people would we? Get like you and your buddies? Humans. <laughs> no, it, it's outlawed. You're not allowed to fight a kangaroo now. I don't know why the kangaroos were going to beat you, beat you badly. <laughs> no, there are people who've been right. killed by a kangaroo's punch. Plus, the other thing is the kangaroo, if they get real mad, they start to kick you, and they've got claws. They can rip open your belly. You can pad those claws, though. Yeah. No? Uh, yeah, yeah, so let's bring back kangaroo boxing. I'm all for it. It's also <laughs> like illegal it. to touch a koala while we're on the subject. Really? Yeah. So hands off. Yeah. All, all right. right. Helpful, helpful hints. Well done. You know a lot about koalas. I did my research. This is good stuff. <laughs> That's why they call this the good stuff. This is the sixth Oscar uh, Best Picture nominee podcast. Yeah. Uh, Laugh is reviewing the Oscars. Yes. So hopefully you've been listening to the previous five reviews. Uh, this is number six, and we've got two more after this. But today we're focusing on boyhood. Ooh. What do you have to tell us about boyhood, Mr. L-Train? Richard Linklater's Boyhood is a groundbreaking story of growing up. This is from the IMDb uh, capsule information, I guess. The Internet Movie Database? Yes. It's a groundbreaking story of growing up as seen through the eyes of a child named Mason, who literally grows up on screen before our eyes. Literally. Yes. Yes, literally. Over the course of 12 years, starring Ethan Hawke, Patricia Arquette, as Mason's parents, newcomer Laurel Lye Linklater, <laughs> as his sister Samantha. That's a lot of L's. It is. She should be the L train. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of cars. And uh, newcomer Eller Coltrane as the titular, well, I guess he's not the titular Mason. The aforementioned Mason, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it trucked. It charts the rocky terrain of childhood like no other film has before. Oh, that's a bold claim. Snapshots of adolescence. All right, so blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Everybody, I think, that's listening to this knows what Boyhood is. And everyone knows the concept of this film, right? The overarching... The hook. Conceit. Is they filmed it over the course of 12 years using the same actors and actresses and... uh, Getting it as catch as catch can, right? Mm-hmm. So it has the best makeup ever. Time. Yeah. 
Yeah. The way they're able to age those actors over the course of this movie is amazing. That makeup job, you can't beat it. Huh. Time. <laughs> and they Some of them aged pretty pretty harshly, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mother, by yeah. the end, she looked like she had raised two children as a single mother uh, for several years. Ironically, she was my least favorite character and my favorite part of the movie. Maybe after Sam. The two female leads were my favorite parts of this movie. Sam? Samantha, the daughter. Oh, wow. Because Sam, I was just thinking about how we may get into Garden State parallels. <laughs> okay. Sam is the protagonist in Garden State and also the protagonist, the female protagonist in um, Perks of Being a Wallflower, Ooh. which Garden State cribs very heavily from. Ah, I did not so know that. Sam hmm. is a common female name. This movie was rewatched by me last night. Dedication. Well, actually, about half of it was all I could... <laughs> All I had time for before I fell asleep. You watched uh, six years. I watched six years. <laughs> that's right. And uh, I have to say, I like it a lot more than I did the first oh, time yes. I saw it. Ooh, what changed for you to increase your enjoyment of this film? I'm not really sure. <laughs> I'm not. I, I really. I don't know. I can appreciate it better. For, I. I think. Hmm. How do I put this? After I saw Boyhood the first time I watched it, I was cool on it, but I wasn't negative about it. I kind of liked it, but I didn't hate it. And it seems like thinking about it over time made me dislike it more. Because mm-hmm. I didn't think... I was sort of along the lines of Kenneth Turin's, the film critic for the uh, LA Times, I think, who said that it's a film whose animating idea is more interesting than its actual satisfactions. I was wondering, and I asked myself this question last night, whether or not I can enjoy a movie where I don't like any of the main characters. Well, you know, that's my big problem. I have to have someone I can get behind, be it in a film or a novel, whatever it is. If I don't like a character, I'm not in. Well, the only movie that I that I have that I like I mean the first thing that popped into my head was um, There Will Be Blood like I really didn't like any of those guys I admired them mm-hmm. I admired them like for his tenacity and There Will Be Blood this movie I, I didn't admire anybody and I didn't really like anybody and I, I don't aside from like a few, I guess there were a few more yucks in the first half which is all I had time for maybe that's why I liked it more mm-hmm. like I enjoyed some of the interactions with the kid and uh, the alcoholic stepfather. No, that's that's. I'm I'm sorry. I'm but when I said the kid, I meant his sister. I think there was more of his sister in the first half. Yeah, she <sighs> apparently soured on doing the film as it went along. She tried to quit. She tried to quit, and she wanted her dad, the director, to write her out of the film <laughs> to have her character die. Apparently, towards the end, she got back into the swing of things. And What was interesting about the movie also was the whole time I was watching it the first time, mm-hmm. I I was expecting – I I think this is just a function of what I – the kinds of films that I normally watch, but I kept expecting something bad to happen. Hmm. I kept expect something really menacing, like not not something. Obviously, it gets into some themes of abuse and alcoholism, um, and absentee dad, you know that kind of stuff. But I was expecting a car crash or a 
or a, an attack or something like that. Oh, okay. Um, something like well, I, I'm just going to train that way. You haven't watched oh, much yeah. Richard Linklater, then. But it's also we- uh, no, actually, I haven't. <laughs> I, 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 if I had, I kind of like put it out of my my thoughts with this movie. Because he's not, I guess he's not like. Sorry. It, no, no, it's it's interesting because we've been talking about so many biopics um, this year. This really is a biopic, even though it's fictional, mm-hmm. and there is no big moment. In all these other films we've talked about, there's been some huge moment that these people's lives have been building towards. In Boyhood, it's a fairly normal life. Yeah. Right. I mean, there, there's nothing amazing about it, and that's almost why we like it because it is such a normal. Life and well, table that why we like it part. Well, it's what you can appreciate about the film. That so it's this very valid depiction of a life. So you're on board with it. I, I'm with you. I like the acting. I like the cinematography. I like everything about it, except for the characters and their values. Um, we can't even admire the protagonist, who makes it clear to us that even in a rather normal life, it's 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 a hard job growing up. Going oh. through all those changes, all those little sub-worlds that we've forgotten about because we've grown older. I, I'd argue some of the worlds he goes through, I'm not... I, I didn't grow up that way at all. There's a scene when he turns 15 that would have turned out very differently at my house um, growing up. Yeah, and then we're going to have a spoiler section. Yeah. So I, table that for that. I but I'm not spoiling No, No, you're not. Right. And I, I was wondering what scene you were talking about in particular because there's... There are a couple of scenes where I think things would have gone very differently. Yeah. Depending on the characters. Like, at one point, I was watching it last night with my fiance. She said, uh, she, she questioned the lack of action by one of the main characters after something had happened. Mm-hmm. And she. She said, I never would have done I never would have. I can't believe that this is how it went down, and I never would have done that. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, she's a very different character than you are. She's talking about something the mother did. Mm-hmm. I said, uh, but I think that it's accurate for that character. It's consistent with what that character did. And I think her motivations for that behavior were, um, I mean, probably not what I would have chosen either. Mm-hmm. But at least they were consistent and well done and well thought out. And I think that that character maintained a certain sort of um, interest for me. Yeah, I mean, I always thought the characters behaved in believable ways while disagreeing with the choices they're making. <laughs> right? Right. So. You, I think, um, Mr. Lumsden, you're a little bit more enthusiastic about the movie than we are. But I'm not sure. What, what was your based take? on your reaction after I saw it with you? I would right. tend to agree. Yes, <laughs> I, I I came out with a positive feeling, and you were not negative. But I think once you considered that it was a three-hour movie with you know maybe a four-hour endeavor to just be cool on it could sour very easily. Like if you're going to devote that sort of energy and time to a movie, right. it had better knock your socks off. And it's Linklater movies in general, they don't knock your socks off. They just kind of move along and you ruminate on them. And right. I guess I wasn't really ready for that sort of thing. I was expecting something more to happen. What made Boyhood special to me, what made it different than the other two Linklater movies, that, well, the other, I've seen a few, but the two that I 
we might talk about today are Slacker and Waking Life. Um, what makes it made it different from those is that it, we got this perspective of being this boy as he grows up, and like I said earlier, like I don't, I'd forgotten some of the things of what it what it was like to be this age and then that age and then the other age. And by the time it got to the end, um, where he's, uh, I don't think I'm spoiling anything here, where he's a... 18. Yeah, he's eight, out of boyhood. 18 and into deep thoughts and, and photography and such. That's well-trod. That's well-covered territory. Like, that's your protagonist of a lot of uh, films. Uh, a starting point, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Like, that's the, that, that, that young adult moment. But the earlier years, that was very interesting to me. Hmm. And I had the ending where he kind of becomes kind of a cliche... Hipster. Uh, hipster, thank you. I called him a hipster douchebag. Yeah, that didn't bother me so much because <laughs> I was viewing the whole thing, the whole movie as a... This is what it's like to be this age and be this kind of a person. This is what it's like to be this age and be this kind of a person. And so, yeah, that is what it's like to be 18, 19, and be that kind of a person. It wasn't the whole movie. Whereas in Garden State, which we may or may not talk about, okay. it was the whole movie. I feel we already have. That was Zach Braff. <laughs> he was that guy for the whole movie, and okay. it was overdone so and boring. You don't huh. think he becomes a hipster until the end of the film? Oh, you think maybe he's a hipster? Oh, I, the I, I, a hipster. <laughs> yeah, I was feeling like he was a hipster from about halfway through. I think hipsters are aware of themselves as hipsters. I don't know if he's ever aware of himself. That's a problem I have with him. I don't think he's he's so introverted without really internalizing <laughs> that it, it he just seems sort of false to me. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I it was a turnoff. Like I said, I don't, I didn't like any of the aside from Samantha. And to be honest, she's not really incredibly likable. She does like bratty sister things. Yeah. I think it, it's more a, a function of her as just a, being a real person, and that sort of came through. So, I mean, I felt like they were real people. I just never was interested in seeing where their story was going. The only person I wanted to know what happened to mm-hmm. them later on was the alcoholic stepfather and his right. two kids. Huh. Just I thought that was an interesting storyline, and right. I was hope. Yeah. So. Yeah, but that's beginning. That's an interesting thing that people could have, could be interested in. Mm-hmm. I think that guy does a pretty good job. I don't know who the actor is in that. Um. I think Patricia Arquette wins Best Actress. Mm. Ooh. Yeah, maybe. But we'll be covering that on a future show. Yeah. We'll have to record an Oscar uh, Academy Awards preview show. That'll probably, what, next week you think we could do that? Yeah. We'll okay. be going, going out there soon, I think. So. You int- you, 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 I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. No, no, no. Well, you mentioned something about it being a biopic. Or a, a, a what did you say? Yeah, a, a biopic. It's it's a fictional biopic, which I think is interesting because this whole year we've been talking about various films, Imitation Game, American Sniper, and these are biopics, and we've been upset with them because they've been fictional, (laughs) or they fictionalized (laughs) events in someone's story. Mm -hmm. Well, here we have a movie that's completely fictional, but for the most part, it seems like we're agreeing it seems pretty factual. 
Mm, yeah, but it seems pretty realistic. Okay, it's an interesting juxtaposition. All of the, but he never. I'm not sure. Gosh, I don't know. I don't know if this is a spoiler or not. It seems to me. Can you have an interesting biopic with someone who's not interesting? Well, yeah, that's the whole thing. But why is this uninteresting? Is a normal life just inherently uninteresting? So with all these other movies, Imitation Game, American Sniper, do they have to fictionalize certain events to create dramatic intrigue to make them cinema-worthy? Well, they do fictionalize a lot of the factual movies we've watched are highly fictionalized. Yeah, so. do you need to do that to tell a compelling story? This is completely factualized, Yeah, and this it, movie. And I agree, it's a little boring, it's a little slow. What do you think? Do you think it was slow? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, the action was slow, but time was passing, and that time was obviously passing, and that right. that balanced out the slow pace of the narrative. You know, the experience of going wasn't anything that I disliked. The experience of seeing it, mm-hmm. you know, like and and I enjoyed being with you there. I enjoyed watching it with Tony. In fact, her reactions to the movie. Because she likes it, mm-hmm. she she made me stop it because she wants to watch finish watching it with me. Which Ooh, I'm not the really two nighter. Sure. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I'm not really sure if I'm into that or not. But I'll watch it with her because I enjoyed watching it with her. She her her take her enjoyment of the film made me like it better. I think the same might have been true for you. Like I, it is, there are some laughs in it. There are some things yeah, that happen. And there are some points of dramatic tension. The problem so. with a three-hour movie when you're drinking coffee in the theater is <laughs> figuring out when to use the bathroom. I messed that up with Interstellar because I missed the liftoff of the shuttle. The liftoff of your own. Um, yeah, but um, in Boyhood, I actually went to the bathroom when Ethan Hawke and his son... It is Ethan Hawke, that's his name, right? We haven't mentioned him yet. Right. Ethan Hawke and his son, the character and his son go to the bathroom out in the woods and it it's just like oh there's some symmetry there yeah some, like this is life on the screen this is my how did you life, know that that was the together scene. they were about to use the bathroom and I so figured, well, let's take a few seconds so are you saying that they were on screen so long that they developed the need to use the bathroom <laughs> just like you did watching it yeah it, it just it just did you feel that it need just to felt get like no big it earth? just felt like it felt like no big deal like i can miss five minutes of this movie and that'll be okay well, Whereas with Interstellar, I think I sprinted and such. Well, Afraid I would miss something big. Linklater said he filmed this in such a way that he thought of it as 12 short films, each about 10 to 15 minutes huh. long. And then when he was editing, he tried to do that. So you could almost take every segment and just present it as a short film. Wow. There if is one to. interesting long take in the middle of the film, which I thought was, um, I didn't notice the first time. I, I kind of like long takes. But the dialogue and the, the conversation that was happening during it was so banal and so uninteresting that it was sort of like, I, I don't know, it was, it was ironic in terms of how interested I was in the technicality of it and how disinterested I was in the actual story. Right. And that's, that's probably where I stand with the movie right now. Uh-huh. But I still think, I, you know, the thing that's going to be weird is when it wins Best Picture. Because it will show how out of touch I am with everybody. Because this is like 96 or 
recommended on uh, on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Right. And it's one of the most critically acclaimed movies of, you know, the last ten years. I mean, it's well made. It's an achievement. It, but I'm not sure Everything is. is done well. The problem know. is, I mean, I would say the movie's not greater than the sum of its parts. Hmm. Some of the movies I love best are the movies with these huge flaws, which are distracting, but somehow the movie just comes together and it works well. Mm-hmm. On an earlier podcast, we did 80s action films. If you add up the individual parts of those films, it's not a great movie. This is the but some of those are just wonderful to watch, yeah. Um, the cohesive whole is this amazing. Is, this is where I stand with Linklater. Uh I'm not sure if he's not if 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 this isn't completely satire. <laughs> I'm not sure if he's not in on the on the joke. I don't I don't know. I can't tell if he's not like pulling a big one uh, like pulling the wool over all of our eyes. With boyhood with his with own, all of it. His whole his whole His well, I just saw Waking Life too. Yeah. Your behest. Yeah, and I just rewatched Slacker. And those both of those are very similar movies in that they involve long monologues right. where someone is just sort of taking it all in, right? Mm-hmm. What's the word for that? Like a not a cipher, but the characters in those movies are just kind of standing there observing these long <laughs> dissertations on philosophy. Sometimes you can see them trying to find a, when they can politely leave. Sometimes they flat out tell the ranter, uh, I've reached my destination, I have to go, you have to leave. Yeah. Uh, but in Waking Life, the guy just puts up with it for most of the movie. Just or there's speaker just, after speaker talks and talks and talks. Or Yeah, sometimes there's just random rants where you're not even sure if he's present, yeah. the, the main character. Similarly, Boyhood is about conversations, where there's actually a whole lot of exchanges mm-hmm. of ideas and not really one person talking not a whole bunch of monologues but a whole bunch of dialogues which is different as a change of it's, pace it's different but Mason is still just kind of there just kind of taking it all in yeah just kind of observing it all and, I, and I'm wondering if like Linklater is placing himself in this position and sees all this stuff going on around him and doesn't really think I wonder if he has, like, negative feelings about him. So, Linklater's from Austin, and this is actually a very relevant point, because Bernie... Um, oh, love Bernie. Yeah, but that real-life the real-life guy who went to trial uh, in Bernie and served prison time in Bernie, um, he was released from prison recently on the condition that he stayed with Richard Linklater. Like, Linklater, in his house? Like, yeah, like or at least in the general area. And the article I read said, in Austin with Linklater. Huh. So it was ambiguous. Um, but yes, Linklater is very much of Austin, Texas. And Slacker is definitely set in Austin, Texas. And the people there that he presents, uh, he, he does present them as being rather absurd but is he, and is desperate. He, but I'm saying, is he honoring them? Or is he in that well, observant position where he's... He's like throwing them out there and commenting on them through his movies. Oh, I think his movies are definitely comments. Anytime you're making a picture, you have yeah, something that you're trying to... Or satirizing. 
I don't think in this case he's satirizing. And Bernie, that's definitely a comedy, and it comes off as a comedy, even though it's filmed like a documentary. And that's the conceit of that film. To me, Linklater is coming from the early 90s. He's with a crop of other directors who were kind of fed up with the Hollywood system and didn't feel like Hollywood was making pictures that talked about these people's lives. Uh, Kevin Smith is another director I'd put up there who was who came about at the same time as Linklater and Quentin Tarantino. And, yeah, but they're, and they're three completely different. But no, if you if view. you see especially their early films, it's characters talking, it's characters expressing a point of view of life that no one had heard before. And in all three cases, people said the dialogue in these movies is so great, it, it sounds real. Even though the dialogue in with those three directors is very, very different. Mm. But Linklater is famous for Dazed and Confused, and people said that captured the high school experience so great, and people still quote the dialogue from that. That movie made Matthew McConaughey. Hmm. Kevin Smith is famous for his dialogue in movies like Clerks and Mallrats. All right, all right. Quentin Tarantino, we've talked a lot about on here, but you know, Reservoir Dogs, that opening uh, scene at the diner and the monologues during that Mm -hmm. are great. Pulp Fiction's incredibly quotable. So I think. The, all three of these directors are trying to capture the life that they see in the world that they see in their films. And at times they're being smug about it and they're joking around, but other times so I think it's serious drama. Tarantino's a, a, a jewel robber? <laughs> no, but Tarantino started off as an indie Hitman. director. All right. And he just became really popular. I mean, Pulp Fiction won the uh, top award. Door. Yeah. I think Reservoir Dogs won something in Con as well. Yeah, yeah, but Pulp Fiction is a very different movie than than uh, Boyhood and and Waking Life. I guess I, I agree, but I'm just saying these directors are coming from the same time period, and they have a lot of the same influences. What they do with those influences are different. Yeah, I just I, I don't think Linklater is making fun of Boyhood here. I kind of wish he was filming or had extra footage and we could see Boyhood the drama and Boyhood the comedy. I wonder if he has enough extra scraps where he could <laughs> turn in a, a clear I comedy. I think he could, cut both, he could cut both movies out of this one. He doesn't need any scraps. He could right. have a 90-minute comedy <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, and a 90-minute drama. So whether he's invest, whether he's what side he's on is complicated because... Slacker opens with him delivering a monologue to a taxi driver. Linklater, Linklater himself. himself or yeah. Linklater. Uh, That's right. And it's essentially the same monologue. It's about dreams. It's essentially the same monologue that he delivers at nearly the very end of Waking Life at the pinball machine. All right, so that's Linklater there? That is Linklater okay. in, you know, putting himself in the movie, spouting, you know, every bit as much gibberish as anybody else on in screen. In that movie. And he seems earnest as all get out. Right. I mean, that that seems like him, the yeah, man. But I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not sure that that's what he really feels. Sure. I, I don't know if it's a... If it's a and then if it's not, then he's making fun <laughs> of that doing? type of person, right? He's kind of like putting them out there. He's kind of like throwing them out there and saying, these are the kinds of people that I see and... This is this is the fallacy of their behavior, because mm-hmm. he, Robert Solomon is mm-hmm. a, he's at the University of Texas Austin I think, hmm. um, 
and when I was in San Antonio, I, I experienced some lectures that he gave on existentialism. Those same lectures are in <laughs> parts of it are in the movie Waking Life. Waking Life, right? Yeah, Waking Life. I didn't. I haven't seen Slacker. That's juxtaposed with Alex Jones with the bullhorn. Yeah. And a, and a guy that's in prison that just wants to, right. you know, rip someone's eyes out. Right. I mean, they're not juxtaposed, but they're it's it's sort of like a montage of all these different theories on dreams and you know reality mm-hmm. and who you are. Now, Robert Solomon is a well-respected, highly thought of uh, professor of philosophy, and he's just talking about ideas that Sartre and Dumas or uh, Camus put out, not Dumas. Camus, you know, uh, sort of popularized through their their writings in the 60s, you know. <clears throat> They're not the equivalent. Like these crackpot theories of in Waking Life are not equivalent. They're, right. They're being fun to listen to. They're being juxtaposed yeah. in a deliberately At asymmetrical times. way, um, disconnected way. So what about this? Waking Life for those who don't know, is the story of a boy, maybe 13, 16, I don't know, um, and he's stuck in a dream, and he keeps... In in waking life? Waking life. Um, He keeps waking up I think he's older than that. Okay. Yeah, I think he's college age. Okay. He keeps waking up from the one dream into another dream. He cannot get out of dreaming, and as he comes out of each phase of the dream he listens to somebody else talk about dreams and eventually when he becomes aware that he's dreaming he starts to take a more active role that's but part of the- but the thing about dreaming it's like when you dream a song or you dream that you're reading a, a book of philosophy you ask yourself when you wake up was that in me did i write that music did i write that book did i have those thoughts and so you could say that what Linklater is doing is saying that all of this, Alex Jones and his anger, this guy in prison and his uh, ferocity, uh, the philosophers, that that is in all of us. All these pieces are all part of us because this is all in the mind of one one kind of average-looking... Joe Blow. Uh, wallflower-looking, boyhood protagonist-looking uh, college-age guy. Hmm. He dreamed all this. Where did hmm. it come from? Well, it came from him. Right. Uh, but how much of it is just sound and fury? Yeah. <laughs> how much of it is how much of it is like legitimate thoughts? Like mm-hmm. maybe the kid in Waking Life, and maybe Slacker, is this Eller Mason kid grown up, mm-hmm. right? No, Eller Coltrane is the actor. The kid's name is Mason. Maybe it's just him grown up, and then then they experience these things, and then does that guy become? Uh, what is it? An, a- an avatar for Linklater himself? Right. The, that's all the question. Characters? Is this Linklater's story? Well, it's interesting. You try and say this is a true, truish story. Hmm. Early on, they make the decision to have the parents be divorced. That changes the whole structure of this kid's life, right? Mm-hmm. Probably whether or not your parents get divorced is the most important thing in a kid's life. Yeah, or the most impactful, I should say. But he's been gone. If the kid starts when he's six, he he didn't really know his dad that yeah. well. But to the movie. make that decision, you're setting this kid off on a certain trajectory. Right, yeah. And they try and say, you know, it was very organic as they went along and trying to figure out there was no set script. 
does that make him more interesting or less interesting as a character? Like if he had come from a, from a standard nor- nuclear family with you know a pet dog and a white picket fence. I don't know. Have we ever? I don't think we've ever seen an uh, accurate depiction of of someone's whole boyhood life. I mean, we're probably going to have to wait another twelve years to get that. I think that the critical uh, consensus is that this is what that is. The nuclear family? No, the, no, no, not of the nuclear family. I thought you said of, of any boy's life. Oh, but any. we've never gotten that. Yeah, and but I, I mean, this is the thing that approximates it. Does this start a new genre? God, I the the long form film. Super long form. At least 10 years. Um, there's the documentary series where they catch up with seven people up. every seven years. Yeah, Oof. every seven years. I haven't watched it, so I don't know why. I, I shouldn't be so negative about it. I'm just, like, not interested. I think there are four or five parts right now. I think the, the original subjects are in their 40s now. They would be 42? Something like that. Yeah. Or 40 died? I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, that doesn't create two films. Does not a genre make? I don't, I'm just saying it'd be interesting. Um, would this film be better if it focused on a smaller segment of Mason's life? Because that's something we've said about a lot of these other biopics that they try and bite off too much. This not movie, unless there's some some dragons or <laughs> some ninjas or something. <laughs> if he had some ninjas in his life that weren't in this movie, then maybe. It's uh, going to so be an explosion or something. Uh, you want the part where the Secret Service comes in and says only you, Mason, can save the president? <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. The, the forgotten 12th year. No, no, actually there would be more, there would have to be for me more evil, so if they, maybe if they focused, man, I don't know, I think, you, you said you wanted more of the of the alcoholic father in the mm-hmm. middle. <clears throat> I got about enough of that guy. <laughs> I had just about enough of that yeah, guy. But you that, want that's more where evil. I watched it. I know. So maybe a different type of evil. Yeah, that's yeah, it. But I mean, I, that's valid. The Babadook. Yeah, I, I mean, it, the evil in someone's life changes as they go along. The struggles. I was actually talking to my class about that today. I was like, they're, they're like, why are you so interested in Iago, the character in Othello? That's just a trickster sort of Loki type guy uh, going around messing with everyone's life. And I'm like, I don't know. I think it's because I see that part of him and me. I see. I, I see. That's that's not how I am now at all. But I I I don't I don't think as highly of my past life as I uh, you know as I do. I guess of myself now. Iago's one of the great Shakespeare characters. Right. He's very interesting. He's at least in the top five. He might be number one. Yeah, he's in my he's my number one. I've told my the students he's my favorite yeah. character. But he's the most evil character too. And I, I think they appreciate the fact that uh, actually I think students appreciate it when teachers are enthusiastic about anything. Mm-hmm. But that's the question, like for this movie, would it have benefited from more evil? Oh yeah. You always need more evil. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I think we need Boyhood the drama, Boyhood the comedy, Boyhood the horror movie. <laughs> I don't think... I like we've that. gotten those things. We've gotten those. Oh. Gotten, I don't know. You I think, think you need a 12-year horror movie? Yeah, it'd be interesting. Horror Isn't movie that the whole... Filmed um, over 12 years. What's one of those ones where they film it from the bedroom, like the camera, it's all found footage stuff? Mm-hmm. What are those? Not Insidious, Oh, uh, paranormal activity. Yeah, haven't we gotten a 12-year apparently? <laughs> could you 
kind of edit that and crop it together and make one movie? Yeah. I don't know. I, don't I know think it's different stories. I mean, the only other long-form film that I can even think of is uh, supposedly Kill Bill Part 3, or Volume 3. Tarantino's uh, apparently filmed some footage already for that, and it's supposed to be the story of the daughters, Uma Thurman's daughter. And oh, have you seen that Uma Thurman? Yeah, she, yeah she I've seen different. her before. She's in no, Kill Bill. Have you seen her recently? Yeah, she had some like some something done to herself, to her face, to her features. She's grotesque. Who they botched yeah, it? I don't know. I, I'm not sure what it is. I mean, now how bad are you going to feel if she was just in a car accident? No, it was just, a it was a procedure, and they she, they claim that it wasn't um, plastic surgery. But she's had, like, skin tightening or something like that. It's bizarre. The, her look is so different than what she looked like before that it lo- she looks like a completely different creature. Like wow. a non-human thing. It's the Mickey Rourke? <laughs> the yeah. Mickey Rourke, uh, Renee Zellweger, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, there have been a couple of them. So, so tell us more. Oh, 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 to get back to Kill Bill, they filmed some stuff with the daughters when they were young because the movie's going to take up with when they're adults, and apparently there's unfinished business. And I think Tarantino wants to do this in, like, another 12 to 15 years, finish this film. From now? Yeah. Well, maybe I think Uma will he go said, back to looking like Uma. Yeah, he's, he said he wanted to wait at least 20 years. Wow, but he's also Kill Bill said that out. his last movie is his last movie. And he'll say that about this movie, too, right? I think he's going to keep making films. He'll never have a huge inventory of films. I bet he finishes with under 20 films to his name. Hmm. Um, Speaking of this movie and its legacy, what would you say? Does this movie stick around? Is this considered like a Hallmark film that captures a certain era? For the film critics, yeah. For it. I mean, you mentioned Days and Confused, which I haven't seen, and I know it's famous, but I forget about it. Um, American Graffiti, I guess, captures a certain time that's period. Not him. That's not him, but I mean, is this one of those films that you say this captures what it was like to grow up and be a millennial? Yeah, I, maybe. yeah well, maybe. There, there's this one scene very early on where uh, uh, I don't know what it is, but some song is playing on the radio. And it's, it was really cool in the theater because I could only hear the sound coming from a bottom left corner as though it were actually a radio placed there. And it was some song from the 90s, I don't remember what it was, but I thought, oh yeah, I remember listening to that song on the radio, and it, it took me there. Coldplay? No, no. <laughs> Arcade Fire? No. I don't know. No, it was diegetic, it was not uh, over. They do a lot of that in the film, to help set in certain time periods. There's a, I noticed that last night, there's a lot of inserts that probably took place way after the 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 principal filming. He could have done it any time. There's a lot of like close ups of this video game mm-hmm. or this sort of radio or this thing on the screen. Right. Um, the phones they really show yeah, because you show can see this evolution and hmm. all three of those things, the music, the video games and the phones. Just technology really does place you in a certain time period. It places then, you in then pop culture, same way. And then here he is developing his photos by hand, yeah. which is also at the end of Slacker. I was kind mm. of tuning out, but the, he somebody has a video camera 
and he hands the video camera around, and the last few minutes of Slacker are just these amateur shot, whatever, people uh-huh. laughing and... Um, Maybe. But there's also a photographer at the end, and she and and some guy, this guy who's hitting on her, says you should get a video camera, and 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 she says, uh, she says I don't I don't trust video, uh, I like pictures, they're more honest. I like it. So at the end of the day, do you recommend this film, Lumsden? Yes. <laughs> yes. No. I, I recommend. I, I'm not eager to see it again. Okay. <laughs> um, and I'm not eager to to drag anyone with me to see it. Um, it could be uncomfortable in the way that when I dragged people to see Waking Life with me, it was uncomfortable. Um, because it's it's kind of like looking at a painting. Uh, it's not a lot of action. Um, and each person's reaction to it is going to be very different because it's very personal. Uh, so I like it. I would say go see it, but I, w- I would say make it a low-stakes viewing. And, and I'll say what Mark Hamill just said about the new Star Wars. Don't get your hopes up too high because you'll be disappointed. Really? Yeah, he said that. It's because he's not in it enough. That's what <laughs> yeah. he feels, probably. Need more ham. But huh. de- definitely see it. And, and you ask about the legacy of this film. It definitely made Linklater's star. Like, I'm curious to see where he goes next. Cool. Like Do you it. have any idea where he goes next? I think he does a comedy. I don't know if I'll watch it. As far I, I as like Boyd's concerned, yeah, probably. Oh. I mean, I say people should probably watch it. You would? Yeah, I think it's going to win Best Picture. And if it does, I think it mm, it might deserve it, even though it's not anywhere as close to my... It might be my least favorite of all of the movies, <laughs> but that doesn't mean anything <laughs> because I'm so distant from from humanity anyway. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. It has a good I'm, chance of winning. I'm one of very few people that that has no real connection to this movie at all. I think this is one of those movies that gets better the more times you see it. Unfortunately, Maybe. if you've got to wait until you're 17 hours in to the rewatch for it to really peak for you, <laughs> I don't know how many people are going to do it. All right, so I say maybe Lumsden says yes, Bull says yes, watch it twice. <laughs> What I say is watch it on cable where you catch like the last third and then another time you pick up, watch a little bit in the middle, watch it really disconnected, disjointed, and then finally one day you just sit down and you watch the whole thing through. Watch for that Laura Lee Linklater because she's good. She's funny. And we should also point out to anyone who has seen Waking Life, uh, L-Train pointed out to me she is the girl with the um, fortune-telling device at the very beginning of Waking Life. Right. She's got the little folder. I didn't know that either until I saw her. I don't know what those things are called, but we had them when I was yeah. They're like elementary school paper football kind of things. Like pick a color, pick a color, pick a pick a number, number. that kind of thing. Yeah, fortune. Um, Do we want to do any like little spoiler thing or do we need to? I don't think we need to. (laughs) I think we got a spoiler song though. You got a spoiler song? Uh, Maybe I'll play another one. Okay, I'll play the spoiler song and the Birdman thing. Ooh. I All mean, right. a yeah, reason to tune into future episodes. Yeah. The ending is a disappointment. <laughs> of Boyhood is a disappointment. Spoiler? Um, that's my We didn't even spoiler. have music. <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh, um, so, yeah, tune in. Uh, Birdman is coming here in about a week for people to listen to. Our next podcast will be on Selma. Yeah. We're going to finish off our Laugh Reviews the Oscars with uh, Little Birdman. Little well, Bird. then we'll also do the Oscar... Uh, awards preview show mm-hmm. and 
There might be a little special show coming out uh, on um, the Oscar game that we played. Yeah, so we'll have to put that up there somehow. I got to come up with some theme music for that. A lot of content over the next two weeks. Yeah. Um, if you've seen Boyhood, uh, please email us at thelaughpodcast at gmail or tweet us at the Laugh Podcast, or even send us a message on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash the Laugh Podcast. Yeah. Um, we'd love to hear what you thought of Boyhood, and we'll read the best comments on a future show. Hit us up and give us some comments. Like our friend, Tony Christ. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tony, uh, I believe this was after we did Imitation Game. He said, in regards to historical accuracy in movies, I remember Martin Scorsese discussing the issue when he was making Raging Bull. He said that that he looks at movies based off real people as if the subjects are in a parallel universe with similarly named people, events, etc. For example, Robert De Niro's Jack LaMotta shares many similarities with the actual Jake LaMotta, but they are two different people. It was one's Jack and one's Jake. <laughs> did I say Jake and Jack? Yeah, you did. Oh, well, that would definitely make them a bit different. Yeah. But, yeah. I was... I, no, I think that's an interesting way of looking at movies. They're not supposed to be a mirror image uh, of yeah. the history. I think it's a cop-out. <laughs> Although I love that Raging Bull. Ooh. Oh, yeah. What did you think of Raging Bull, Mr. Volts? Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if they listen to, uh, I think, Laugh <laughs> 2, our list of shame... Uh, <laughs> Still haven't watched it. I need to get in on it. I do like so sad, but do you need a copy? No, no, (laughs) no. I'll get one off Netflix. But uh, thank you. So yeah, yeah, I like the Scorsese. I thought that's a good comment. So yeah, I like the I like uh, Mr. Christ's input. Maybe we can get him on the show one day to actually talk about Raging Bull. I know he's quite the De Niro aficionado. We also have uh, someone on iTunes that gave us a review and wants to know what we think of the. Patrick Bateman in American Psycho. So uh, that listener will be looking forward to a podcast that we might do on American Psycho. We probably will do in the near future. I I like Um, me the serial killer movies. I like serial. (laughs) I like killer serial. Yeah. I like uh, Life. Count Dracula. Yeah. (laughs) The The perfect merging of two worlds. Did you ever have that fruit one? The mummy uh, fruit flavored booberry? No, booberry is a he's a ghost. Hence the boo. No, Frankenberry strawberry. Oh. There's an orange flavored one or like oh. a citrus flavored <laughs> one, and it's the mummy. It's like I don't I can't, mummy berry or something. Uh. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So check that out in your cereal aisle, <laughs> and check us out on the uh, part of a balanced scurvy prevention program. <laughs> Uh, please give us a rating on iTunes and uh, give us some feedback there too we always read those iTunes reviews and uh, so for Mr. Two Frames over there it's been a pleasure and our friend Mr. Lumsden thanks for the invitation I'm the L-Trade Pox at Bonham everybody there be dragons